I'm Vince Roca. Did he say Venti Mocha? And sitting in for special guest, Michael Hutchinson is back from the dead. <laughs> dead. Nearly one foot, nine, three feet in the grave. I still got a half. The one and only Tom Ayers. Hello. Did you say bunny ears? Bunny ears? Bunny ears? <laughs> uh, so what have you been up to, man? Oh, nothing. Just hanging. Nothing. Yeah, just, just hanging. Just living the dream. Just dreaming the life, living the dream. Oh, my God. What's new with you? Well, uh, cerebral hematoma. What the hell does that mean? Dude. <laughs> okay. Cerebral so, hematoma. About a month. So a hematoma is some sort of a blood thingy, and right. cerebral is, your, is, uh, is your head. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Like uh, over a year, uh, a year, a year uh, over a month ago, a little over a month ago, a month and a couple weeks. Um, I was putting in. I was just talking to you about the little patio cover behind my house. I've been talking about. What I want to do over this instead of take, taking out this little tent gazebo thing. Right. Get this Home Depot special and putting in the, the a permanent hard, patio right. awning cover to your house. And I, I got my my guy that I help him. So I can be really cheap and, and get out of there with, you know. Right. You hire a guy to do it, but you pretend to help him. Right. So it seems like you're. Right. Yeah. Which is really great because then sometimes he bosses me around. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ouch. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. No. And sometimes he's standing there watching me work. I'm like, get the hell out of here. Stop. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So then, um, so we're working on the patio. Go. We're on the patio, and he, and I go over and grab the like tape measures on the floor. Right. And as I bend over, right, I think my head's going to explode. And then go get a screwdriver. Same thing. And I'm like, dude, I got to sit down because just bending over was making me dizzy, nauseous, uh-huh. headache. Uh-huh. So then I went because uh, I'm on blood thinners because of the the uh, artificial valve. Right. So I went to get my um, level checked. Turns out my blood's really thin. Okay. Like way thin. Okay. It's supposed to be between 2.0 and 3.0. Okay. Your blood is 0. 0.09. No, not point, point 0.9. Uh-huh. And your common for you is point 0.9, between point 0.9 and 1.1. And for me, I need to be above at least 1.5. These okay. So the higher the number, the thinner the blood. Yes. Okay. I was 3.8, something like that. I was like way up there. So you're right? four times what I am. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And by the way, that's rat poison. That's what blood thinner is. Coumadin, warfarin. Oh, whatever. is that right? That is rat poison. So. That's how they kill a rat. They give it to a rat, and then the rat goes and bleeds out. Okay. Right? That's right. how. So I'm just about to get bled out. So my, my brain starts bleeding. The bl- blood vessels in there just start creating two pools of blood which and that's I found. why that's why you got woozy that's why i was getting woozy right okay. so anyway after i found that out i went to the the uh general practitioner he said go get in the er now so i went they did the cat scan they found the two pools of blood now also All right, so wait a minute so you are working on your patio yeah and what you texted me um, was that you had taken too much of your blood thinning right. medication. Which now I'm thinking I might not. That might not be the case because I just went in yesterday, uh-huh. and they said it was really thin, and I should be. By the way, I've been eating and the way I've been taking that stuff, I should be thick. So, I'm. 
Okay, I'm you in the thought, middle. You thought that you had taken too much yes. of your blood thinner. Yes. That made you woozy. You went in and you went into the ER and you found out that there was blood pooling in your brain. Right. Okay. So okay. There's a real quick little aside because right. there's a thing called subdura. Right. That means that if it's under, like under the skull, and then there's a membrane, and right. then there's your brain. Right. That membrane is the dura. Okay. Right. Subdura is under. Subdura it. is under, and then. Pro dura, above pro, above dura, above dura, subterranean, above terrain. I don't subterranean. know. Subterranean. All right. Sub, so it's like above the ground pool. I have an above the ground pool, where you have an under the ground pool. No, I don't. I don't you have don't. bleeding under my subterranean. <laughs> <laughs> no, the difference for you is okay. See, so wait a minute. So, I think the burning question is: is at the time that this happened, exactly how far along was the patio? Oh, that was. <laughs> Uh, that that was like was it, it framed out. Oh, the guy. I mean, he dug he dug a couple. Um, was it near completion? Um, there was concrete close, close. footings. All right, and then and I'm like, I can't go in the hospital. This guy's gonna he's gonna sit there drinking my soda, <laughs> charging me for for free. Right. So so you go in. I go and they in. Do they a CAT don't scan. know that it's. It's not subdura. They, they don't know. They're not. Your brain is bleeding. Now, how do you feel? Are you foggy? Are you ears clogged, foggy, dizzy, nauseous? So does it feel like there's just tons of pressure on your head or pressure do you, in my you just head. feel faded? Are you? No, it just the whole thing sucks. It felt like I'm in this. Are like, you driving tunnel. yourself? I was, but it was like, you know, you drive with a migraine headache kind of thing. You know, it's like you go, I wish I wasn't driving, but I got to go. So you're you are able to force yourself to be coherent, yeah. but it is just uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. All right, so you go into the ER and and they go. They don't know. We they're like admitted me right away. I'm in the hospital, in the um, not an ICU, but um, um, but they just had we're keeping an eye on me, watch me. Anyway, right. and then the um, neurologist comes in and goes, "No, it's not subdura." The what? The neurologist. Oh, I thought you said urologist. I was oh. like, whoa, we just took a turn to a different head. <laughs> All right. The, the the neurologist comes the in. The neurologist so. comes in. He says it's not subdural. He's a bit of a dickhead, so, you know. Oh, yeah. And so he let, he goes, go home. And I was like, really great. But then I thought, I was like really thinking, as soon as I leave, all the pain and everything goes away. He said, go home. Go home, right. You're fixed. Yeah. Everything's fine. I went home with all the pain and all the nausea and all the everything. Uh-huh. And I, I just went home with that. Uh-huh. So, um... Do we have an idea of like how much blood, like, is it an ounce that's painful or is it like twenty? I mean, all right, all right. So he says, "Go home." You think that you're going to be fine, and you go home. Went home, and I literally sleep in seventeen to twenty hours a day, Uh just like in a tunnel. Uh And I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh There's a paranoia that started happening and I don't know if it was drug related or uh-huh. did they put you on some uh, did they put you on anything to, additional they tried to help me out with stuff I mean when you walk in and you go um I have a I um uh hangnail they're like so do you want some psychotropic <laughs> drug for that <laughs> it's, it's serious it's like that they put you on a psychotropic drug right. no matter what right especially uh, you don't have a primary care physician, right? Because you don't have health care, so you're in the Obamacare 
No, I have Medicare and Medic. I have Medi-Cal and Medicare. I'm. I have the golden of golden. Yeah, but do you have a doctor? No, I'm floating. All, I have four doctors. I have seven doctors. Which is part when of the I problem. When I walk in the hospital, they go, do you have um, insurance? And I go, yeah, I have the gold standard, you know? But this is your, I'm, this is your biggest, I, I don't want to say and, problem. But my thing is, they go, well, then come in, come in, come in. And they want me to stay. Right. I've, gone, I've been in ICU now over the last three years. I've been in ICU waiting to see if something happens. For, for four days. Right. You get this fantastic medical care yeah. because the government will pay for it as right. long as it's on an emergency, unique yes. situation. Yes. And then Definitely. you get no medical care as far as maintenance goes. You have, like, you have no primary care physician to oversee everything, right? I, I just have to go get them because I have, I have four cardiologists. I have... Yeah, but those are all specialists. Like, right. See, I mean, I go see a doctor... Oh, and and she then refers me to whatever I need to go see. Everything is funneled back to her, right. whether it's neurology or anything. I had my mole removed, all of that. So if I ever have... Dude, any, you had your mole removed. I did. It's How a, cool is that? It's in a vlog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that rocks. How long ago was that? I, just like a week ago. Two no weeks, shit. Two weeks ago, I, I went in and I had it removed. That's um, great. Uh, Does it feel weird? What? Sorry, does it feel weird? Um, no, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, it used to. It never. Anyway, it's like wanna... Cindy Crawford mole though. So uh, it's in a vlog. No, I, I talk about it in, right. in vlogs. If people are interested, okay. they we're we're talking about you. Next. Your brain, going brain bleed to... is far more interesting than my mole. <laughs> um, but anything that happens to me, I can see my primary care physician, and then she oversees like what's you know happening. Right. So if you when you go in, they're like, oh, it's an emergency. Let's prescribe them an expensive drug. Let's get them an expensive procedure. The state's just going to go ahead and pay for it. Right. And then you walk out and you go, I guess I'm supposed to take these. And then Monday, under normal circumstances, you go see your primary care physician. And then that person goes, no. What, what they gave you these? No, don't take these. Yeah. And then and that's so that's really and partly a frightening thing for me about you because your primary care physician is your ex-wife, Nicole, right. because your mom will freak out and can't, you know, remember, like, what's happened to you. Right. And if Nicole is, you know, with her husband or boyfriend, 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 with her boyfriend or with her kid, then, um, you know, who's, who's to know what happened at Tom unless someone wants to go right. back and listen to po previous podcasts and spend <laughs> right. a few hours to catch up. So you really need a primary care physician to primary care be on physician. top of that. Yeah. So they send you home. Your head hurts. Home, head, and I literally stayed a month in my house, like in a tunnel, in a dark tunnel. Right. And you started to get pain. paranoid. My, um, and also, like, like they, they gave me stuff stronger. Now I'm down to, like, Tylenol. Uh-huh. You know, and I actually haven't taken any Tylenol today. And I mean, I feel it in there, but it's not counting at all it's like it's totally doable right now right i can i can live with this yeah but that's only this has been like five or six days now that i've been out right. and i'm like on a different different plane completely meaning M meaning i i can function i can go i can do things yeah but you know okay we're glossing over we're easily glossing over the meat of this okay 
I had uh, the the first the second time I was put under anesthesia, my first knee surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I came home and had the hiccups for three days. Wow. Okay. And I did some research and discovered that if when they do the anesthesia, if they put the tube down too far, it tickles the diaphragm and it can result, it gets irritated and can wow. result in hiccups. Okay. Um, there are people, it's possible for you to have hiccups for the rest of your life. Now, I kid you not. As weird as this sounds, day 24 hours in, can't sleep because of hiccups. Mm. I am ready to turn yeah. it in, to, yeah. to die. It right. is over. Like, that's just hiccups. Right. So, so you've come home with a brain bleed. Your head hurts. You're foggy. You're sleeping 20 hours a day. You've got paranoia setting in. I know because you texted me that uh, you were suspecting that it was diabetes, mm-hmm. so which it wasn't, but I know that you're searching for an answer. Mm-hmm. You're like, this can't just be. There has to be a problem, and there has to be a solution. Yeah. So during this time, I know it had to be ridiculously dark, and you had to have given up. Yes. Um, Across the board, and I mean, to the point of, like, just just sitting there contemplating, okay, you know, the day that this ends, it's over, it's nice, it's, it's the other side of this is a better place, right, you know? Right, um, And no matter where I am, it's a better place than, you know, right. whether I get healthier or whether I get sicker. Either way, it's, it's a better place. Right. Um, and and yeah, man, I'm telling you, I I was the epitome of miserable, and um, the paranoia I think was was the worst of it. Mm-hmm. And dude, let me tell you something. I had an open heart. I had um, hernia. Yeah, um, that, that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, that's what caused or. Noted the dissection, open heart. Oh, oh no! Um, oh, you the di- the dissection uh, aneurysm. Um, so I had yeah, abdominal it, it all, aneurysm. It all starts with a hernia. Well, no, I mean I had hernia when I was a kid, but um, um, the abdominal aneurysm was the first thing that I okay. I had. I, I, I thought abdominal hernia. It's an aneurysm. Oh, it's, it was the. I associated the aneurysm part you. over to here when I was right. remembering it. Okay, yeah, yeah, go on. You're right, obviously. So, I mean, what am I going to say? So um, <laughs> all that stuff, a doctor standing over me telling you, you're probably not going to walk again. Right. You know? Right. I'm telling you this, this, this paranoia in my own bedroom, sitting there looking at the TV at 4 o'clock in the morning, floating over the bed because I'm so paranoid. I don't even know how to describe the paranoia. It, right. would, it sucked so bad. I got up and I'm walking in the street, just uh-huh. kind of trying to get space, trying to figure out what the hell can I do here? Right. Because I couldn't sleep. Right. Anyway, um, your mind messes with you, man. Uh-huh. Your, your mind messes with you so much more than well, my open heart. I went, this is time, man. A few, a couple weeks from now, I'm going to shock myself across the board. When my my legs, the doctor was telling me, I'm... Um, Basically, I'm not going to walk again. If I do, it's up to you. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I couldn't move my legs, let alone, you know. And I kept going, I'm going to be fine. I'm going right. to be fine. I'm going to walk again. There's right. no question I'm not going to walk again. Right. 
You know, I, I was like, and when he said it, and Nicole and my mom, they're crying. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. um, can't believe this. I was like, guys, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Right. I'm going to be fine. So that denial, I don't know if that denial is what pushed me through it. Right. Anyway, that painful idea and the idea of depression there. Right. So much different. Paranoia, You, I just sit there and I'm like, I feel the heat from the from outside the house coming inside the house because I heard the air conditioner shut off and I feel it coming in and it's going to choke me and it's going to and I'm like what the hell am I thinking that's not possible it's not I'm going to be fine mm-hmm. but at every beat I keep questioning my own existence like that and I oh my god miserable right uh, it's like it's like when you get a, well the, the best that I think that people might be able to compare to this is a really bad head cold and when you're completely wiped out with a flu, and in those moments, you're just like, you're, you want to give yeah, up. Yeah. But you know that this is only going to last a day or two. But there's still, you're just lying in bed, and you're like, I can't, I can't take it. And that is the closest feeling to what depression is. Yes. And then you do this. It, depression is, it was, which made sense to me a long time ago, was defined as anger turned inward is, when you're, is what depression is. You're mad at yourself. Um, and you, when you, when you get sick, you start, you know, you give up and you're just like, it's just not worth it. And you know, you're, you, you just don't care about yourself anymore. And you're going through this, this pressure for nearly 30 days in your head when it's your heart or your leg or whatever, your brain is still fine. So you can still be like, I'm going to walk exterior to the problem. This I was in, it was in it. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, cause I was when it, during the time that everything went sour with National Lampoon and the whole Warner Brothers deal and, and I was depressed and I was, you know, contemplating killing myself was the time that you bought your house and was the wow. time that I was going down and repairing your house. Wow. Wow. And part of the reason that I was doing that was it was a complete diversion and distraction. Yeah. And it's exactly you walking in the streets. You're looking for space. You're sitting there just you're trying to find right. something else like like how do i how do i get out of this what just I'm, put I wanna, me on another plane I'm, i want to do a little aside here because one of my favorite things that happened when i think about buying my house i think i know to- what you're going to say but all right <laughs> total fixer it was just and the bones of it were good but like it was bad yeah i mean you fixed 11 windows when you you came right. in you went there are 11 broken windows i'm going to the store buying windows right I was like, I was just looking at you like, huh? <laughs> anyway, but that one piece of wood that was holding up the patio in the back, uh-huh. that's what I was going to talk about. Did you think that's no, what I was going to talk about? No, yeah. Tell me okay. So, so actually, right where I just built that patio cover, right. there was the, the other patio cover c- coming off the other side of the house. Uh-huh. There was this little one-by-one-inch piece of wood that was jacked up. Like holding, it looked like it was an extra piece of wood holding up that roof. Mm-hmm. And you walked over to it, and right next to it, two and a half feet away from it, is a, is a four by four. And another two by, on the other side, there's another, like three feet away from it, is another four by four. And those are the, the posts. And this little one by one is, is standing, and it, we had emptied out the whole backyard, so it was just that thing. So you went over and you started kicking it with your foot. And you're like, this means nothing. And I was like, dude, don't do that. Don't, leave it, leave it, leave it, leave it. 
And you kept kicking it like, no, hold on. Like, he'll see as soon as I kick this away, this means nothing. And I got so angry with you. I was like, Vince, leave it. Don't touch it. And you were like, Tom, it really means nothing to the structure of this piece. And I will leave it. Leave it. I don't care. Leave it. I don't remember and you this went, at all. You go, you went, all right, dude. All right. And you were like, wow, Tom just snapped. And I felt like I just snapped. And I walked away and I was like, right, I got to apologize because I like got really angry. So a buddy of mine, this is why I'm saying, a buddy of mine comes out from Connecticut. Uh-huh. He just put a second level on his house. He, he, I don't think he has his contractor's license, but he grew up. A little tiny guy. Grew up. In, right. That's what he does. He walks right up to that same piece, except he had steel-toed boots on. And he went, Goosh, you don't need this, and threw it on the ground. <laughs> like, within seconds of seeing my house, he walked out, and he goes, Goosh, you don't need this. And I was like, oh. And then as it hit the ground, I was like, ah, I'll apologize to Vince. <laughs> I do not remember any of that. The story I thought you were going to tell about your house was uh, – it was uh, you. It was it's your first house that you bought. You lived in apartments um, before you bought it. I know Walker Michael Mike Walker came out and looked at it. Mm. You were kind of like, "How do I do this? What do I do with all of this?" But you were willing. You were you had no idea what you were getting into, but you were you were willing to get into it. You were willing to head down that road. Um, and uh, and you know Walker and people like me were like, yeah, it's no big deal. It's going to be fine. It's all going to be and people like your friend from Connecticut. It's fine. All this is fine. But you're like, whoa, I don't know what is this. Is this important? I don't know. What, do we need this rusty piece over here? And uh, and I came over and I was like, eleven windows. I think you need glass. And uh, and I went and I I bought glass and I bought uh, a glazing compound and came yeah. home and I was putting it on. And you were watching me at one point put the compound on. And you're like, how many times have you done this before? And I was like, this is my first one. And you're like, you've never done this before? And I was like, no. How, how do you know how to do it? I was like, I've seen it on TV. Saw it on this old house. I'm like, I don't know. It's not that hard. And you told me that that gave you the confidence yeah. that you were like, all right, he's never done this before and he's doing it. Why can't I do whatever? Why can't I do anything on the house? Um, and from that, from that point, I, I shouldn't say necessarily from that point forward, but moving forward, you and Nicole redid your fireplace all yeah. on your own. You, uh, you, you laid tile. I came over to help you lay tile. Um, you laid tile. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you guys just kind of, oh, you built that thing, that hood above your stove. And you were just like, you became the guy that you were this guy who was like, I don't know how to do it. I'm afraid of it, but I'm going to try it. Uh, to this guy of like, fuck it, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, there, you you did you crossed some line in in buying that house from from that guy who I wouldn't say was afraid, but confused. Yeah. When it was mine, when I went from an apartment complex to to you know, because I fixed things things in the apartment complex. I and everyone that I was in, mm -hmm. I I always did something. Right. You know. Um. But then when it was mine mm -hmm. and I could really get my hands dirty, it was great. Like the, the fireplace. I was like, you know, there's nothing stopping me from doing this. Right. You know, but it also watching. I mean, that I very specifically remember going, dude, how do you know how to do all this stuff? Right. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, you just do it. Like, you, you've done that. I don't think I asked, have you done that before? But you were you like, did, you know, yes, I said, 
You wanted an I a, something came out where you asked me, and I was like, "This is the first, this is the first time I've I'm ever doing. done." And I'm like, "Get out!" Yeah. And uh, and then I saw all eleven windows fall out of my. Yeah, right. <laughs> Those things are still in. <laughs> um, so uh, you became very paranoid. You gave up on life. You wandered around on your street, the streets of your house. I had one day where I didn't have any pain. Uh-huh. I came out the other side, and. I'm telling you, man, there's a buildup of tension that just releases in the form of tears and emotion. Uh-huh. I was like, from not having any pain, just fucking lost it. Right. Just blew off so much charge from a month. Right. Of just sitting there going, oh, my God, like, I can live again. I mean, it was... It's overdramatic and it sounds terrible and, and all that stuff. But when your mind messes with you like that. I don't. Th- I mean, that's why I was trying to compare it to the head cold. Because in those moments, yeah. you give up on everything. You, you just lie in bed and you're like, I can't, like, I can't go on like this. Ambition means nothing. You, you don't think of any of your family, any of your friends. Mm-hmm. Anything that's led up to this moment, you're just like, I can't go on. But you rationally know I'm just, I just have a head cold and this is going to be over tomorrow. Um, but you almost knocked that over. Um, the wire almost cut lit. Uh, but to be you and be told that you have a brain bleed and go home and every day, I mean, you're sleeping 20 hours a day and every day you're waking up like this. Like I, I know that it had to be dark and you're just texting me there. You wouldn't answer the phone. Uh, there was no calls. I didn't want to come over because I didn't want to wake you up. Also, I heard there was chicken pox at your house, and I wasn't, you know, very excited about that because I'm going to Italy in six days. Um, but uh, you know, and I knew that Nicole and your mom were around. But I do remember uh, when at, I, I think it was the after the heart operation, you were in bed with Nicole, and you broke out in tears in the middle of one night, and you just all I'm, the emotions and everything yeah, finally hit you. When when it, I, I've noticed this about me over the last seven years when. Like, when the pain is over, mm-hmm. when when it looks like it's going to be normal again, that's when I lose my shit. That's when I get that flood of emotion that is like, oh, my God, this can be okay. This can really be okay. The fight stops. The, the, and you, you, can, yeah. you can finally take a breath. Yeah, and when you take exactly. that breath. I mean, yeah. when I came home from the hospital after the open heart surgery, because I, somewhere in there I was planning on not coming home. I, that's just the way it was, and right. I didn't know that until I until I got home, and I went out, and that tree would from the bees. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he had a, he had a tree in his backyard that was filled with wasps, wasp, not bees. Was wasp. it bees no, it was or was bees. It, a, it was bees? Was it bees? Yeah, and <laughs> that was and you filmed it. Yeah, we had that somewhere. That is such a great. <laughs> yeah, because we're inside that. the house and they're hitting the window after Steve Steve put the fogger in there. Yeah. Was, the tree was hollowed out and bees had made a home of it. And Steve got and it was like the opening was oh, 12 feet off the ground. Steve got up on a ladder and put a fogger in it. <laughs> and then from a distance, you sprayed something or one of you or Steve sprayed like oh, something yeah. that shoots like 15 feet. Yeah. Something like that into the hole. And the, the bees got mad. They got pissed. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but that tree that we've been talking about cutting down forever, that hated that tree because... Every windstorm, another branch now, would hit my house. In retrospect, this was seven years ago. Right. I had a bees t- make a nest on a tree in my backyard. Yeah. And I called a beekeeper. 
Uh, and he came out and, and took for a hundred dollars within uh, forty-eight hours. He removed the queen and, and nice and successfully removed the hive. And then and then he moves it to a different location of his own uh, thing, and he turns that, it into honey. That's great. Turns the queen. Yeah, and, so I mean, in, in ever since then, I think I don't think you add bees. I think they were wasps. But all I know is, like, since then, you know, the idea of Killing bees, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as killing them. Right. I would definitely remove them. Yeah. Um. But that tree, I remember, I came back from the the hospital, and that tree, I went over, and I lost my shit just looking at that tree. I was like, this big piece of shit that I've been trying to cut down <laughs> that I hate since I moved in. Uh-huh. This big, I had this this affinity for this tree that I was like, unbelievable. I was like, it's, you know. Look how it, it's it's still here. It's important. It's I'm so right. glad it's still here, you know, and and also that whole minutia. I don't know that you would call it all all the upset, all the everything that was going on between me and that freaking tree from the day I moved in to the day we ended up cutting down. Right. You know, but or until that day I came back from the um, from the operation, it, it was like all that. I thought to myself, if I if I had died, what was it? What did it mean? What did it mean to have all that right. energy right. floating around for what? Right. Which is another thing, and this is this is bizarre. I don't know this maybe a little too deep for, but it's racism. It's it's the same exact. You mean I, prejudice? Prejudice. Yeah. Yes, prejudice. Because it's not toward a race. Yeah. Right. But prejudice um, that you have for anybody else, you know, for um, any minority, you sit there and you go in death or the idea of death. Everybody's the same. We're all the same being smarter or not smarter in this life. Right. We're all the same being. Right. Well, you're actually what you're really talking about is just is general hatred for anything or it's, anybody. It's an idea that I came out of my house this is exa- and I walked out and I went, that tree's got to go. Right. And it's it's you walk down the street and you go that that guy um, isn't from here and he's stupid. Right. And it's the same like right. or that guy voted what? for Trump and that, he's stupid. He's an idiot. More, he, yeah. he voted for Trump. He, so you go, OK, so now you. You have this built-in idea that means nothing. Right. And you live your life. You hang your whole hat on it. And you go, that's it. That's what I know. That's right. what I know. And it's the same thing as going, that remote control is the stupidest thing I've ever met in my whole entire life. Right. And you go, well, all right, dude, relax. Right. There's so much more to live for. Yeah. There's so much more going on, and you have now took all this energy, and you put it into this bizarre statement and belief. Right. That means nothing. I got to say, I came out of my depression over the whole lampoon thing, uh, and I do not live a life of hatred toward anything or anyone. Um, there are things that piss me off bug me or i hate that but i have a reason why i hate that mm-hmm. because it, the this the button doesn't work right right so i yeah and i immediately go into problem solution gonna fix this today right um similar tree when we moved in we had a eucalyptus tree in the backyard 
Um, I hated the eucalyptus tree. Deanna loved the eucalyptus tree because, you know, it's just big, beautiful tree that's been there forever. Why did I hate it? I hated it because the roots were breaking up the deck and I could already see the deck cracking and I knew that was going to get worse and it could make its way to the pool. I hated it because it dropped these little pebble things and these little balls into the pool that drove me nuts and the leaves that were there. But I let Deanna go ahead and, you know, I let the tree live and I let it sit there for a few years until the crack in the deck went from a quarter of an inch to a half an inch. Mm -hmm. And then I pointed it out to her and I was like, we have to get rid of this tree. Um, and I was bummed about tearing the tree down. I had two trees in front of my house that got sick and we had to tear down. There was, we had to cut down. There was no option for it. And I was really bummed about that because those trees had been here forever. They were fantastic. They weren't like majestic trees like you had. Mm. They only had maybe an eight-inch stump. But that's how big those trees grow to. And I was okay. bummed about that. I was bummed about the eucalyptus. But I had a reason why I hated right. that. Like I go through life and I straight up profile Everybody and everything that comes in front of me. You're wearing a Hillary hat. You're wearing a Trump hat. You're black. You're Muslim. You're white. You're you're whatever. Mm -hmm. I immediately in my head, I without a doubt make assumptions and have a quick reaction of who you are. Mm -hmm. um, it's the next part of then speaking to you and figuring out, am I right or am I wrong? And I I change those perceptions. Right. Um, but I think the most prejudiced, racist and hateful person in the world who's like, who's the person who's like, I don't see color. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. full of shit. Yeah, right. Or you, you are just, I don't know what world you're living in because but, when I see uh, a, 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 an attractive blonde girl, my immediate reaction is hot, dumb model. <laughs> but I will talk to her and go, smart, intelligent businesswoman. Right. But also, now let's say that you weren't schooled on that and you didn't have that. You mm -hmm. would say something else. You would go, oh, there's a, you know, there's the, I don't see color. There's what, there's the idea behind that. Yes. I mean, you know, I know growing up um, and um, being in high school and, and knowing where the projects were and and having people over the years, you know, point that out to me, point that out to me. I think there was a, when I was in middle school, there was a, a racial fight at my high school that I was going to the next year. Uh-huh. And knives were pulled and, um, and it was this, this big thing in small Stanford, Connecticut, you know. Um, and everybody made a huge, big deal about it. Mm -hmm. um, there was a racial riot, a racial riot. And... I don't know, four kids went to the hospital. Um, but um, that show that I wore that and I learned. And then, and yes, so I would walk down the hall and go, okay, you know, there's a gang of black kids over there. <gasps> mm -hmm. You know, next thing I know, I'm standing there talking to everybody and I was going, I don't see what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Then I walk away going, well, I guess I hang out with the black guys. You know what I mean? So I still had that, 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 prejudice from a long time ago it's just now it's turned into something else mm -hmm. now it's it so you're right so in a sense i can't say i didn't see color mm -hmm. you know um but it's just like sometimes when you don't know what the prejudice is and you just sit there and you go i didn't i didn't see it and then somebody else goes don't you know what kind of people those are mm -hmm. you know 
those those type do this. Those type do that. So 30 years ago, I went to school here in Granada Hills. I don't know that the neighborhood that I live in is any more mixed today than I'm sure it is. I mean, we've become more of a melting pot, but I, I walk around the neighborhood and I don't know that it's any more mixed or unmixed or whatever than it was 30 years ago. Two doors down from me is a uh, Asian family, uh, old, old Asian couple. They've been here 40, 50 years. Like mm. I think they bought the house brand new. I, I was 60 uh-huh. years maybe. So, I mean, they've, they've lived there. Next door to me was an interracial couple. She passed away. But uh, interracial couple, black, uh, black guy and a, a white woman. Black guy's living there now. They've been there 25, 30 years. Uh, across the street from me, they just recently bought. They are a Mexican couple. Just south of them is a Russian Russian pharmacists that have been here for decades, and um, just up from them is how did you Arab- learn all these people? Arabic family. I've said hello to my neighbors. Arabic family that is uh, only been here for maybe ten years or so. But anyway, the school that I went to thirty years ago, L.A. County had mandatory busing. And this neighborhood that I'm living in is more affluent than, say, a Watts's or a downtown L.A. or or whatever. So regardless of what the race mix-up is here, it's still a more affluent community. But mandatory busing was an idea that if we leave black and Mexican kids in the inner city, they're going to remain inner city black and Mexican kids. And uh, but if we there was overcrowding in Los Angeles, you know, inner city schools, if we bus them out to the undercrowded white schools, considered white schools. But I say that we weren't a white neighborhood. There was a Mm. lot of white kids here. But uh, then there would be more of a melting pot and a mixture. And mandatory busing has since stopped because it was determined to be one of the worst things that you could do for the kids. Kids got to get up extra early. You're sending them to a place that they don't feel like they belong. Right. Uh, I'm not I'm careful with not saying you're sending them to a place they don't belong. They belong everywhere, but they feel this isn't their neighborhood. Yeah. They're in the white kid or affluent neighborhood. And they also don't necessarily share the same ideals because, you know, when, all of the kids who are local to Granada Hills are getting Ataris for Christmas. You know, they're not. It's a different world. And, they, and it just puts up more racial divide. But I had friends who were Hispanic and who I got along with. And I had a bigger group of Hispanic bust-in kids who hated me because I was acting like a white boy. And I heard mm. that all the time. Why oh, are you I- acting like a white boy? Um, and I didn't hang out with them. And I hung out with at that point, white kids who happen to be my immediate neighbors. I mean, okay. two doors down from me, one of my best friends, six foot tall Swedish blonde girl, mm. doesn't get any whiter than that. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so I got a lot of flack for that. But on the same part, I had you know uh, friends who were bust in, who were nice people that right. I got along with, and, you know, had no problems with. Um, but it was. All the fights that I almost got into were because bust-in Mexican kids wanted to beat me up because they didn't like me. Because why am I, why am I better than them? Right, right. Um, and this is probably the point in my life where I realized that I am better than them. Like when people used to say, "You think you're better than me," and it, and I remember 
going like no and then thinking yeah <laughs> like we should all think we're better than everybody else right. what the fuck's wrong with you of course right um and it's such a weird thing to say it's like when you were kids and you're like your friends would be like you're just friends with me because you're using me and people would be like no i like you no i'm friends with you because i'm using you i'm using your friendship absolutely like that's what friends do if i can't use you who am i going to use you idiot exactly like that's the whole point of having uh, friends a girl broke up with me she goes you just think you're special and I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I'm the most special person I know. Right. What are you talking about? You used me for sex. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, anyway, there would be racial fights that would happen at school At school that would be usually between the Mexicans and, the, and whites would happen. But not so much between African-Americans, between blacks and whites. But the one that blew me away and fascinated me was we went through a time in school where the dark-skinned colored blacks mm. fought with the light-skinned colored really? blacks. And this perplexed the crap. Howard has talked about it. Stern has talked about it on his show. I, and I was like, okay, I'm not the only one. Because the whites and blacks got along in our school. The Mexicans and blacks got along in our school. The Mexicans kind of had an issue with the white kids in our school. But the black, the dark skinned blacks fought with the light skinned blacks. And I was like, are you out of your minds? <laughs> like in the real world, outside of the school, you get along with the white kids in the school. But outside of the school, like you're just fighting the white people. Like, how can you be fighting inside your own? You need to band together. Like, what is wrong with you? But see, there's also the, the extreme, extreme, extreme difference was was so far. I remember one time. Now I'm all rock and roll. That in high school I I was in. Yeah, you're a metalhead, total metal bed, metalhead. So, so the, that's my group, and we fought the the athletic uh, bunch the new of waivers, yuppies, the, the yeah, the new waivers. We yeah. you know we all had it. Death right? rock. Everybody was dead. And yeah. then Hesher's one day rule. we're Aussie rules. We're in the back of the lunchroom, and and there's a stairwell that goes down and out. Yeah, and. It's like the stairwell that nobody ever goes to, and it's like that's where you go to fight. That's where you go. Anyway, um, me and like four guys, and there were four black girls and dark black girls. They were like they they were like we we couldn't have been more extreme. It was like you just said, you and a Dutch girl were best friends. Right. So, you know, it's like you just go. That's an extreme. It couldn't get more extreme than that. Right. And we're in the. And we went in there to smoke weed. And I'll never forget, we made friends with these girls. That was a one-time thing that we never, ever talked to them again. But this, this one girl, man, she took, she took my joint and she put it up to her lips. And she put her whole mouth around her fingers and everything, right? Right. All, and she pulled on that thing. That I thought I, I was like, wow, look at it! It's just it's gonna light on fire and just go. Phew. And then she like let the smoke out of her mouth and went like that, and it went back in her mouth. She mesmerized me. I was sitting, I was in love with her. I was like, oh my god! And I I said to her, I was like, I just want to follow you around. And all everybody started cracking up because they were like, it broke the tension of you know we just love these girls. Right. And then literally in four years, I just didn't, you know, we, we would see each other in the hallway and just kind of smile at each other. Right. Because who are we to go hang out again? Right. You know, never going to happen. Right. Well, that's, there's been many movies made, many a high yeah. school movies made about that. How yeah. you just kind of, 
Yeah, you lose you lose connection with but people. It's something I'm fifty one years old and I remember it like it was, I remember her face. Was it remember- Stand by me. Falls out of the tree. You fell out of the, something about you fell out of the tree and broke your arm, and I carried you home. And now, and now you hate me. Is that Stand by Me? I think it is. Anyway, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, so things got real dark for you. Yeah, you're, you're on the other side of it. I am moment. six days on the other side of it. I'm still. I Life. still got one foot in in there. You know, I'm I'm scared. I still. I'm, I'm not completely, completely out of it. I. Um, it's really funny. I woke up that, that one day after I just lost my shit and just um, I started making plans because I was like, wow, I, I literally had given up on everything. So I just right. started making plans telling people, yeah, let's meet for coffee. Let me, let's meet over there. Okay, I, wanna, I just need to go get um, this thing from the DMV and then I'm going over here and I'm gonna, I made all these plans. I went, got up from my bed, walked to the bathroom. I was out of breath. Right. I called back everybody and canceled. Right. I was like, hey, I'm just going to hang around the house for a little while. Right. Um, so, I mean, literally, I'm I'm still like um, my heart rate, everything just from just from walking around. Right. I I was in bed for a month. Right. Sucks. That's that's such a hard part of it, man. You just gave up. Yeah. I mean, you. Yeah. Like you, you. It's so weird. Like you did. Pretty much, you did nothing for a month. Yeah. Um. I got old. I'm telling you. And I can't like. It's a weird thing because, like, I can't fathom yeah. how – I'm. I say this, I'm going to Italy for five weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, how do you get up and not do anything? How do you – how do you get – how do you manage a month yeah. not doing anything? Like, I can't seem to manage a day not doing anything. Yeah, but. bills went unpaid. Um, yeah. Just everything, everything. And then, you know, I'm – I'm on the phone going, hey, listen, I I was in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Can you waive that fee? And they're all cool. And they're all yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, heavy duty. Heavy, heavy trip. Really makes you appreciate shit. Um, during this dark time, you posted this uh, audio recording from your, your dad. Oh, there you go. Can I play it? Sure. Because I, I don't. Let me just tell you something. Before I posted it, I listened to it. Right. You posted it four years ago, and then you just posted, just posted it, it on, you, on Happy, Facebook. Um, okay, you, before you posted Father's it, you Day. listened to it. Yeah. And? and especially coming off of this trip, very, very heavy duty. So can I play it? Or will yeah, it, yeah, go for it. Will it bug you? I don't know. Go I, for you it. I mean, if I cry, I'm going to cry. That's you posted <laughs> it. I listened to it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and All right, let me can – I, can I explain? Hey. Uh, Hold on, pause. Okay, so – this is around the time where I had all this real estate issues um, and building and safety came out. They said they were going to um, fill up my, the, the shower in the back um, with cement. They said for me to do that. Otherwise, I'm going to get fined $1,000 a day and right. go to jail. And, <coughs> excuse me. and this, is, this is right around the time. You know, um, I was – just finished building it, and I was going to rent it out. Right. So Tom, uh, as we said earlier, bought a house and was willing to tackle a project he knew nothing about with confusion, but was heading it full on. And you did a conversion to the garage, which was already converted. You started to finish the conversion of the garage to a, an apartment, and the inspector came knocking and then, and everything went sour. There was a little old lady down the street that, by the way, like later on, 
I found out every person that sold their house, they, she would call Billing and Safety and say they're trying to make apartments in there. They're trying yeah. to make apartments. She had no idea. Right. So she was just, you know. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, um, so this is when all that shit was happening. Uh-huh. And uh, my father called. This is prior to... All my hospital, all the open heart surgery, the, the right. legs, all that stuff, which I, for years, I listened to this tape. This, you know, is, this, is, this is my pep talk tape. Yeah, this is just because uh, you were dealing with the city. This is just because I was dealing with the city. And right. then you to think that, it, wow, man, you know, this is such a great tape for everything that, you know, just let, let me listen to my dad, you know, give a pep talk. Right. right. You and, and, and back to Mike Walker and I, I remember talking to you a lot of times during this, you would be, you were scared and confused and you're like, what are they going to do? And Mike Walker and I would tell you the same thing. Just tell them to fuck off. Exactly. They're not going to kick you out. I think Mike Walker said to me one time, he goes, are you, are you crying right now? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We're just like, they don't put you in jail. Like they don't set your house on fire. They don't kick you out. Whatever. When you sell, there's a lien Tom, to hell are, with them. Are you crying right now? Crying right now? <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah. so you uploaded this to YouTube. Oh, and- one more thing about this. I'm sorry. One more thing about this. My father had a twitch in his eye uh-huh. that he had surgery done. They Somebody said that you and they went in the back of his head for brain surgery uh-huh. to stop this twitch. Uh-huh. It was the most miserable thing he could have ever done in his life. He said at one point, he said, he talked about depression. And he was talking about how when he swallows, he could hear thunder. All this like right. terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And he would... He would sit there, and he was very—he was suicidal. And we we talked many times, and mm-hmm. I would say to him, "I'm like, even at this is the truth, and this is something that, even at his funeral, way after we talked about this, his funeral, six, seven, eight people came up to me and said your father was—he uh, was like a father to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one thing that his legacy. I, I thought to myself, wow, I want to be more like that, right. you know, right." Because people would call me on the phone and go, I heard your dad died, man. Do you know what he did for me? And right. it just it always blew me away. Right. And I so when he was all depressed and all that, I said, Dad, you gotta be easier on yourself. Do you know how many people love you? Right. And I'm like, Do you know what a good guy you are? Right. And then I would go over it and over it and over and over it. And I, I would hear him come up tone a little bit on the phone and he'd laugh, he'd make a joke, he'd get mad at me or something, which was so good to hear him get mad at me. Right. And then um, he go. I got. I gotta go. I gotta go. Hold on a second. I'll call you back. And he hang up. And he called him back right from where he started. We started all over again. It was like seconds would go by, and and he would just crash again. Right. So he and I on the phone many, many, many times trying to get him up out of his this massive depression that he was in. Right. That you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So and then that's what. That's when what, did he pass what, away? What year? Uh, two thousand. The. December 2009. So, so you posted this. This is at uh, youtube.com slash Tom Ayers, A-Y-E-R-S, uh, T-H-O-M, because people can actually spell it with it. Or T-O-M. T-O-M. I just screwed that. People right. can spell it with a T-H-O-M. T-O-M-A-Y-E-R-S. Uh, you published this December, so right around Christmas 2012, and you wrote, I haven't read this, 
Uh, I wake up and I grunt and I sound exactly like my dad. Later in the day, the cat jumps on the kitchen counter and I yell, what the hell? Get off the counter or I'll break your nose. Wow, who is that? It's like I'm doing a perfect impression of him. I feel like I should stop and say, well, hello, dad. Like he's in there with me. Today is three years since my dad passed away. And yes, I think of him every day. He passed away December 12th, right around Christmas. Um, about a month ago, my friends and I got together for dinner and we made a toast to my dad. That really meant a lot to me. He was very close to my friends. Sometimes I'd call from L.A. and my friends were at his house either helping him with something or checking on him or just hanging out. I still can't get over how many people told me that he was like a father to them. I want to be more like that. It's been three years and when I think of him, I laugh more than I cry. I know that would make him happy. In 2008, my dad left a message on my phone that I saved. I was going through a real tough time and I dumped it all in his lap. It was such a great message. I just never deleted, deleted it. He passed away a year later. Then came my spinal cord injury. I was dealing with paralysis in my legs and his phone message to me became more important than ever before. It's very personal to me, but I thought I'd share it anyway. Um, I forgot I wrote all that. Well, that's why I read it. Yeah. Because I figured. Uh, also, you filed this under the category of comedy. I did? Yeah. <laughs> it might not fit there. I don't there. think it fits there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so here, I'm going to play it. It's a uh, minute, 33 seconds. Hey, uh, I'm just getting ready to go to sleep. And I got to thinking, I know how difficult all of this shit is for you. And I appreciate how difficult it is. But I also remember the, the guy that didn't graduate from high school. <clears throat> and the minute the sun came out, spent the whole summer going to uh, uh, summer school so that he could get his GED. There was a determination and a, and a, a fighting spirit in there that just didn't quit and there is nothing in this world that can defeat you nothing it's all up to you so that's all mom and I were talking and uh, just going to sleep and I said I, I gotta tell him because when I was having my difficulty you told me I was a nice guy now I know you were bullshitting but you, you did you told me I I was a good guy, and that's what I like. And you're a good guy, which, you know, you get that from me. But anyway, seriously, Tommy, you can do anything. I love you. Good night. So I think the burning question here is, is exactly how did you get that recording off your phone? Oh, you ready for this? <laughs> Oh my God, I'm just trying to make a joke to make the tension. No, but there's a story. That's actually a great, <laughs> actually a great, a question. great question. Because our buddy Greg Camp, <laughs> I, I, our buddy Greg Camp, uh-huh. Smash Mouth, I go to, I go to him, right, um, and I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? Now, m- his wife and my ex, this is when I was married, mm-hmm. they were friends, and so I said, Can you do me a big favor? Can you? Because he had a little recording session. Can you? Pull this off the phone, and he goes. He looked at me like, "What am I, a fucking photo lab?" You know, like, 
And and he's such a good guy. He's such a sweetheart. He went, yeah, sure. But, you know, he was like, I can't believe him. He was <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah, let's, sure. And he had no idea what I was giving him. Right, Nothing. Right, right. He was like, you just want me to take something off your phone and put it onto a, a, a CD? Wait, sure. Sure, I'll do it. And so we went in the back. <laughs> After he got it all set up and he played it, he's, tears coming out of his eyes. He mm-hmm. was like, he was so... So cool. He was so happy to have done it for me. He was like, thank you so much for asking me to do this. It was mm-hmm. really cool. He's mm-hmm. a sweetheart. Um, it's a great message from your dad, and it's mm. it's fantastic. I mean, technology and everything, and it's fantastic that you have it today, and it's amazing what it means, you know, past some permit issues with the city. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I feel like it's really important. Like, I don't know... I, I I talked to Michael Hutchinson um, that is sometimes a guest on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I talked to Michael Hutchinson and I was like, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna when I get back from Italy. I don't know if Tom's gonna be here. I, mm-hmm. I mean, and <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> now I broke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how'd you get the recording off? <laughs> Um, and it's rough because it's like, I don't know. I don't know why. I didn't think I'd do this. I didn't even like to cry. I hate it. So how about them Dodgers? Um, so it's like, I don't know why this has happened to you. Like, I don't know why all these things have happened to you. And uh, I don't, I don't know what the hell they mean. And I don't know, like, I wish there was, I wish I believed in a higher power that I could say, Oh, you know, there's this grand plan, but, uh, you know, you hear things. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe in us here and I believe in the things that we do for each other. And, and, you know, you're just, uh, you're kind of oh, fucking. it's what your dad said is is the higher power is the reason to continue because you are a good person and why can't it's (laughs) fucked up man (laughs) Um, I totally didn't expect this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, totally lost in thought here. Um, well, I mean, no, I'm glad. No, you're more than welcome to say something. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't have that higher power blame. I'm not going to give... Um, brush my responsibility off onto some some other idea. I think it is all us, and I think it is exactly exactly what I see my father was saying, and exactly that falls exactly in line with the eight to twelve people that come up to that came up to me after he passed and said, "Do you know all the things he did for me, man? Mm-hmm. You know." You know how much help your father gave me? Do you know even the slightest, the smallest things? My best friend said to me, 
when I moved out to L.A., he, he went over to my dad's house, and he said, um, he was talking about coming out to L.A. He goes, but I don't know. He goes, I, you know, I live here, and he goes, my job is here. And my dad said, what are you doing? Go to L.A. He said, you're, you're 20 years, you're 25 years old, whatever. He goes, go to L.A., man. And he said, if it doesn't work, turn around and come home. You don't have to go live in L.A. for the rest right, of your life. Right. And take that off of it and go live and go have a have an adventure, you know. And he talks about it today and in his words, much more, much stronger than mine. It meant so much to him that my father was at least in tune with that he, he, you know what I mean? It was like he saw him on the same level and they were talking on the same level. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, I was like, how does he, how did he do that? How did he match the level of But that's the driving person, force that I, I, mean, I, I said earlier when you bought the house, like that is you. Like I, I don't know, I, I, that is your father. I don't know. You approach things and you're like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about this. I don't know where I'm going. I'm afraid of it, but I'm going to do it. And so you get that. I mean, with your house, you, 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 you attacked it without knowing what you were doing and mm-hmm. you were confused and you had fear throughout it, but you just keep moving forward right. to, to get it done. Um, and that's, that's obviously, I guess, comes from your dad and your dad telling this person, you, you, if you fail, you just come back, you just come home. And somewhere in there was your dad saying, if you fail at the house, you, you just come home. Um, you know, you just, you get an apartment or you just do something else or, or whatever that is. Um, now that I have more composure, uh, (laughs) you're, you're, uh, I don't believe in the higher power and I believe in us just being good people here on earth. And that is what moves us forward. And it's what your father said. And you're, you're a good guy. And I don't know why this, this crap is happening to you. And I wish it's during it when you were trying to look for diabetes and look for that, there's gotta be a reason and there's gotta be, you know, an answer. I mean, I wish, and I know why people turn to a higher power to, to uh, God or something is because they've run out of answers and, I mean, I firmly believe I, there is no reason why any of this crap has happened to you. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time we try to make we try to rationalize at the end and go, oh, there's a reason for everything. And that happens. So this can happen. And no, I'm sorry. I mean, sometimes your child passes away or something horrible happens to you and there's no reason for it. And it just is. And it just sucks. It does make us better people. And we have to get up and be afraid and still face whatever the day gives us, whatever is, is happening next, and move forward. Um, and I know that's particularly rough when you spend, you know, 20 hours lying in bed asleep and, you know, you close yourself off. And you particularly like to do that. And you've told, you've admitted to me that in the past, you didn't want people to come see you in the hospital during the first time because you didn't want people to see you that way. And you build, you put up a wall. Um, that separates you from people. I, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this earlier. When the most tragic things happen, I laugh. Mm. Um, I mm-hmm. will, you, can, you can almost always tell me like a, just a horrible story, and I will laugh at 
and it, and it may seem very unsympathetic, but it's really me sympathizing. You know, it's just me inside going, "This is the most messed up thing." I can't believe that, like right. how how funny it couldn't be more funny how screwed up this is. And I always turn to laughter, and a lot of people I, I'm sure probably find that insensitive because I have laughed at things that are very at the very inappropriate times. Right. And had to immediately but, apologize. Right. And, like, and and the thing is, it's, it is a release. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a joke in And my that's act. why, I mean, I don't remember the last time that I cried just now. I mean, I don't look for that. I look right. like a good laugh is a huge release for me. Right. That, um, uh, an acting coach said there are three, three ways to release tension, laughing, crying, and, and – oh, oh, I'm sorry. She said there are two ways to release tension, laughing and crying. And as a comic, I went, there are three ways to release tension, laughing, crying, and orgasm. That was my, my joke. And you make the same face for all three things. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's the that. joke. Uh, yeah. And that came from my acting class. And the, the thing about it is oh, I have a friend who went jet ski racing. And he hit some other guy head on his, a really good friend of his right in the thigh. Mm-hmm. His, his ski went up in the air and he hit this guy in the thigh. They dragged him out. Out of the water, he he pulled him into the shore, and when he got it, he said it looked like there was a helmet under his wetsuit. Mm-hmm. It was so his leg had blown up so much, and he pulled him out. He literally pulled him out onto the beach, and the guy stood up and walked. And my buddy Tom started laughing. Mm-hmm. He walked over to him. He was like, "What the fuck?" And he's yelling at him. And my buddy's laughing hysterically, and the guy was going to punch him in the face because he was. That laughter was a release of, oh, my God, you're walking. I thought I killed you. Right. You know? Right. I thought I broke your leg. Right. You know, all that stuff. And so so it is. It, it comes from within. It's real emotion. It's not laughter like, you know, in-your-face laughter like I don't care laughter. Right. It's I care laughter. Right. But a lot of people take it that way. But, yeah. Um, so uh, I I – so there was something else that I wanted to read to you that I thought was awesome. I don't know if you read it. I wanted to read it to everybody. I don't know if you read it on my Facebook a Facebook post I made recently. Um, but I, I kind of feel like you might find it interesting and people who are listening. Uh, at the age of 23, Tina Fey was working at a YMCA. Yes. Did you read this? I did. Love at it. the age Love of 23, Oprah was fired from her first reporting job. At the age of 24, Stephen King was working as a janitor and living in a trailer. At 27, Vincent Van Gogh failed as a missionary and decided to go to art school. At 28, J.K. Rowling was a suicidal single parent living on welfare. That's amazing. Mm. Uh, at 28, Wayne Kanye, Koye, Coyne from The Flaming Lips was a fry cook. At 30, Harrison Ford was a carpenter. At 30, Martha Stewart was a uh, stockbroker. I didn't know that. I didn't either. She went to jail. I know. For I, mean, she, I didn't know that. That's exactly what at 37, Ang Lee was a stay-at-home dad working odd jobs. Julia Child released her first cookbook at 39. That's, That's amazing. That is um, and got her own cooking show at the age of 51. Unreal. Vera Wang failed to make the Olympic figure skating team, didn't get the editor-in-chief position at Vogue, and, des- and designed her first dress at 40. Stan Lee didn't release his first big comic book until he was 40. That's amazing, too. Mm. I mean, how prolific that guy's career has been since mm-hmm. 40. Uh, and Vera and- Wang, too. Vera Wang, the, the whole, she was an ice skater slash the editor. and then. Well, with Stan Lee, I just take the 
pause for the moment because the whole Marvel universe and oh, the yeah. amount of money that Disney has yeah. paid for it. And I mean, it's a beast of movies for the next, you know, decade. And just, I mean, how much people are affected by it and how much, mm-hmm. I mean, the merchandise and kids growing up, superheroes and like the comic book reach from something that Stan Lee did at 40 mm. that is today. Like, you've got kids growing up very much wanting to be Superman and adults wanting to be. Like, it's amazing what he's contributed since 40. Um, uh, Stan Lee, okay. Alan Rickman gave up his graphic design career to pursue acting at 42. Love that. Samuel Jackson didn't get his first uh, movie role until he was 46. Morgan Freeman landed his first major movie role at 52. Catherine Bigelow only reached international success when she made The Hurt Locker at 57. Grandma Moses didn't begin her painting career until the age of 76. Uh, Luis Burgos didn't become a famous artist until she was 78. Whatever your dream is, it's not too late to achieve it. You aren't a failure because you haven't found fame and fortune at the age of 21. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Um, never tell yourself you're too old. Never tell yourself you missed your chance. Never tell yourself you aren't old enough. My, my buddy Richard Lawson, just, just to tag on to all this, he said um, your, your dream does, dreams don't have expiration dates. Right. You know, it's like it doesn't come along with a little tag that says, ah, you're 40 now, Get wake up. Right. You know. But we, we somehow feel like yeah. it is. Um, a rapper who I didn't know his name so i can't re- i can't attribute who he was but i saw he had he'd made his rap song and he was uh had fallen out whatever he was no longer making music and someone had tweeted to him like he was a has-been mm. and he's like I, after making that song i took a look around the music industry and i saw a lot of rich music executives and not a lot of rich you know 20 year old artists and I looked at Silicon Valley and I saw a lot of rich 20 year old artists and I started investing in Silicon Valley. So what I've been doing since my, you know, that pop song is, is I've become a Silicon Valley mogul. Um, and uh, I mentioned that as to what you said, because we tend to go through life and see the Justin Bieber's and, you know, the pop stars and and famous actors and stuff in our face. Alan Rickman, George Carlin, who started late in life, he isn't listed in that. Um, um, Archie Bunker, another one. Uh, uh, Art, uh, uh, Carol Connor. Carol Connor. Um, in his 50s. That Archie Bunker was his, his breakout role. But if you look back, he's in a couple more, like, you know, war films and very small one-line roles. Right, little know? things here yeah. or there, like, you really know. Cool. Um, uh, but to be so iconic at, as the Archie Bunker role, like... Like, I understand if, if you step into something, all these people that you're talking about, you, you step into something later in life and you're kind of, you just kind of kind of got a flair for it. Right. But to have the Archie Bunker, like you say the word Archie Bunker and it's, it's a description now. It's not a, uh, you know, it, it's an adjective. It's, it, it's not a noun because that's what you're doing it from like an Archie Bunker place. Right. Know? Right. And that. You got to think, I mean, looking, looking at that role all in the family and Archie Bunker, um, he had to have really been going for the Hail Mary or really didn't give a shit. Um, yeah. Because that, that's a that hell of time, a controversial role. And that time, you look at that time and you go to, to go, no, I'm going to play this for real. 
I'm going to play this like the guys that live in right. Queens. And they go, no. No, I'm not going to go stand in line with that guy. He's black. Yeah. Colored. Colored, yeah. <laughs> you know? One of, them, one of them coloreds or something. One of them colors, yeah. Like, yeah. And there's that. I know it's it's popped up on the internet so many times, but it's um, the woman comes in and gives him a shot. Um, he's in the in the hospital, uh-huh. and a black one, a nurse comes in and she gives him a shot. She tells him to bend over or pull, roll over and pull your pants down. And he looks at her like, "What are you?" But there's a great, great scene that ends it. You know, that uh-huh. it ends that that bigotry for him. And it's really beautiful, and it's so touching, and that's why it's it's popped up so many times on um, on YouTube um, because it's it's just he played it for real. But back to what I was saying, it's easy to look around and see you you just see the young thriving everywhere, and and it's easy to think to yourself, oh, I'm thirty, forty, fifty, I didn't. It didn't happen for me. I didn't make right. it. I guess it's not going to happen, and this is what it is. But to take to imagine a world without George Carlin, without Morgan Freeman, without mm. Alan Rickman, mm. um, two of those have since passed away. But it the what they Stan Lee what they contributed after forty, yeah, is absolutely incredible. And uh, I know before coming to the podcast here today, you went to an, on an audition. Um, but you say Carol O'Connor and you go, he did little things before that. And there very much will be a future where it'll be like, oh, Tom Ayers. Oh, yeah, you remember he was in McHale's Navy? He did that. Right. He did right. a little part. He did a little part in Kisses and Caroms. You remember that? Um, so. I don't know. I don't know why this shit's happening to you. I don't know why it's happening to a good guy. Um, and I know that it, when the shit happens, and I don't know what the fuck's going to happen next. I mean, um, clearly you're a glutton for some medical issue you know what? to occur. I'm a glutton for a big game. Because this, this is exactly what you're talking about. Um, and th- I'm sorry. This is exactly what I've been looking at. Because you can't go through... Seven years, all of a sudden, seven years of medical problem, one after another after another, from drug rashes to it, it just it's like I'm I'm going, Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Are you nuts? Mm-hmm. What else could from um kidney stones? Oh yeah. Right. Ki- kidney stones are what started the whole thing because the kidney stone is um when I went and had the ultrasound, um, is when they found the, the abdominal aneurysm, all which right. they said nobody finds those they find those on the on the autopsy table not the operating room table right so that's where it started and by the way i'm rolling around on the ground in my bathroom just writhing and the most pain you could ever have in your whole entire life because of a kidney stone and i look over and i'm like that my fixture upper in my house mm-hmm. i'm like why wouldn't raul fix that <laughs> <laughs> fix that molding why would he leave that, like that? <laughs> anyway. um but my buddy Raul, who passed, yeah, who is, um, um, we we used to bring each other scars. You know, he would come to my house after he had my a lot operations. of medical problems as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, he died of cancer, and and they thyroid, they cut his throat. Oh my god, it looked so horrific. And we were like, and I was like, oh, give me a break. Look at this scar. And he, when he came home with that scar, I went, okay, you win. Sorry. Yeah, and he couldn't speak. He couldn't speak for like a year, and then he called me up. I have it on my talk about it. Uh, uh, an answer. Can I play? Yeah. I have his 
voicemail. Didn't he? From when he called me up after he could speak. Um, you year. haven't you haven't asked Greg Camp to transfer that one yet? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Mr. Smashmouth guy, um, can you do something <laughs> with my phone hey, here? I got another one. He'd be like, "Jeez, Tom." Uh, this is called dead air. It is uh, time and temperature Hello. ninety-one degrees. Oh, here. Do you wanna hear my new voice? Like that. No. See you later. That was after a year. Heartland thing. After a year not hearing him, I bought him a whistle. Oh, I took it off speaker. Hold on. <laughs> Hello. Do you want to hear my new voice? I still... <clears throat> See you later, Tom. <laughs> Didn't he used to call you Mr. Tom? No, no all right. I will never call me Mr. Tom. I'm wrong with that. No, everybody else calls me Mr. Tom. Uh, his family doesn't. I don't know why. They mm. just... His family doesn't. But, um... Do you have any saved voicemails of me? <laughs> I mean, there's a whole podcast. You really don't need them. But uh, <laughs> like Tom, Tom over here has just got everybody. He's got tons I of got saved voices. Um, and we just spent an entire show going through the meaning of the voicemails on Tom's phone. They're not hard to transfer off. You know, you get a little. They're not. Little, I don't have to go to. Little, to um, yo, it's, I, I just found out this. This is the number. So anyway. It's Tony, and I wanted to see how you're feeling. Uh, if you get this, give me a call, all right? And otherwise, I'll try you back later. So I hope you're uh, you're you pacing the race. Bye, buddy. Tony Danza. Tony Danza. Um, I'm not famous enough to have a voicemail saved. That's okay though. There's a whole podcast. I I have a um, there's a slew of hours. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all right, I'm all right with it. I'm comfortable with it. Um. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know what you're destined for. I don't know what what, what the future is going to bring. Um, but and I know that it's rough. You put up that wall, and you want to keep people out, um, and you want to just cocoon and, and. No, my my thing. What what you were talking about, like you know, um, I I have created an appetite for a big game that I'm. I just have to switch it off of medical completely. And put it toward the things that I want to do in life, right. you know. And that's par- like partial that war that wall. That's part partially where that wall is that I'm, you know, um, and why that wall is there. But um, I have absolutely what I was saying. I'm questioning it because I can sit there and I go, "What am I doing, man? Right. What the hell?" And it is a game, and life is a game, mm-hmm. and. You know, there's gonna day, there's gonna come a, a day when I decide to walk away from it, and and I'm not gonna play anymore. Right. And um, I I feel like I've lived an incredibly great life. I want more. I have more to do, and I want to move that game off of, you know, see how how fast my heart is beating, and onto, you know, fun. Not not just fun, but um, intricate, tough life. Right. You, you know? want to you want to channel 
whatever this prejudiced hatred um, yeah. uh, energy was that, that has caused a cancer yes. to happen to your body, yes. channel that into something positive. Um, and like I think it's maybe doable. actually marrying Siri, it's, it, not just dating her. Exactly. But, uh, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to, to take the leap. To pop the question to, to Siri. To pop the question. Right. Um, Should I do it now? Should I get on a knee? Oh, hold on. Have you, just, have you asked Siri? Have you ever I, asked Siri before? Siri, will you marry me? We hardly know one another. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you guys have been dating for a long time, Siri. We've been together for a long time. I'm not sure I understand. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. What else? What else? It's been it's been quite a roller coaster here. Have you met Kona? What is Kona? Kona is the new dog. <laughs> all right. So you know my mom's dog, Lady, passed away. I did not. Oh, but you I, didn't know? No, I knew that Lady was not. Doing she wasn't well. doing good. She passed away. No. This is about a month ago. Um. Right, month yeah. maybe month and a half ago. Okay, so just before the yes. Oh, I didn't know that lady Ready? passed away. Okay, lady passed away. Then we went and, because my mom loves Cavalier Spaniels, and it can't be a Rottweiler, and it can't be right. anything else but that. So we found a, a rescue Cavalier rescue. Okay, and they they're very you know very Greenwich Connecticut going. Excuse me, you're going to have to wait until one a dog comes to you. Sure. Then, Petey, his name is Petrie. We went and picked up Petrie out in Rancho Cucamonga. Okay. Had Petey for 10 days. Okay. Know what happened to Petey? Petey died? Died on her bed. Oh, my God. The dog, I mean, now the dog was nine years old, but still, he was chasing her around. He was following her around like, like she owed him money. He would not, I was like, thank you so much. I was telling the ladies, I was like, thank you so much for sending us this dog. I was like, he follows her around like she, she has bacon in her pocket. Great. And I was like, that's all I wanted. That's, it's great. She comes home and it was like the Stephen King, she, she walks out, Petey's dead. I'm like, huh? What? Petey's dead. I'm like, you serious? She goes, yep, he's dead. He's in the bed. I was like, <laughs> so another another like seven days go by, and the ladies are so cool at this rescue, this Cavalier Rescue USA. They're sweethearts. Mm-hmm. They went all. She went to Arizona to get the dog to bring him back, mm-hmm. and Kona has now just following around. Kona is a doll. Little, she's the best thing. How old is Kona? Kona's six. Any idea what killed or what why Petey died? I no, I think it would they have heart problems. Uh, and I think something just, you know, doink and just uh, plumbing went wrong. You haven't replaced your cat though. Gone. Wellington's gone. Yeah, Wellington's been oh, gone. No, That's I what I said. You yes. haven't replaced him. No, I haven't replaced him. So Wellington. just the just the dog just yeah. Kona. I haven't replaced Wellington because there are too many people on um okay Cupid that say allergic to cats. <laughs> That's the only reason. As soon as I hook up with somebody, I'm getting a fucking cat. <laughs> uh, as soon as you make sure, or or she loves you enough that she she can handle the sneezing. Exactly. Right. I, I I just I just um, I don't care if she's allergic. Uh huh. But 
once she's in, I'll right. get the cat. Right. Then she's got to deal with it. Yeah. Then she has to right. deal you got to cross, you gotta exactly. cross that line. That's right on. Well, that sucks about the about the other dog, but I'm glad that she's got a dog that you know. Yeah. Is happy. Just the one. You're not going to get two. Come on. Yeah. Just the one. Oh, okay. Because there was Lady yeah. and Mitchell. Lady Mitchell. Was that his name? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. He passed away like two years ago. No, he ran away because um, of um, Fourth of July. Oh really? Yeah. He got out. He he got out, and um. I'm picturing somebody picked him up right. because they're expensive little dogs. Yeah. Right? The thing about Mitchell was Mitchell peed on everything all his life. He yeah. peed inside, yeah. and it would drive me nuts, and I'd scream at him. I'd do everything I could. Train, I tried to train that, and it never – he beat me to the end. Right. I am so excited to think that somebody picked up my dog, brought him home, and he peed on their he shit. He peed on everything of theirs. I'm just so excited about that. We just got uh, new tags for because we're going to Italy, so we got new tags for the dogs while they're at her parents' house. Oh, uh, that have parents. yeah, that have her parents' uh, phone numbers on them. Oh, nice. And uh, cell phones and home phones, so this way you know they get lost. But we chose this time around to not put the dogs' names on the tags. Hmm. And on one side it says uh, needs meds microchipped, and on the other side it has the phone numbers. And I thought about it, and it's because, like, if the tag says Tika, then whoever picks her up, or Pismo, um, the dog goes, oh, well, they know my name. Right. And there's automatically a fam- familiarity. Um, but if it doesn't have their name there, then, the, right. you know, it, it creates less of a bond. And then hopefully, uh, you know, people are afraid when they see needs meds right. and microchip. That's and they smart. take them to the vet, and the dog's going to, which dog is microchip? Dog needs meds, so it's got to go to the vet, and then the owner's going to find out because it's microchip. So might as well just call this number and give them back. Right. Um, That's smart. Because yeah, I mean it's it's messed up. I, we've acquired cats that lived in our yard for so long that they just moved in with us, but they were they clearly got to the point that they were no one else's. We've had a white cat living on this property. We don't feed it, mm. but he's been living on this property for about three years. Really white, fluffy cat. And I was yesterday or two, a couple of days ago, I, Deanna and I saw him and I was like, you know, he's our cat. And she's like, we don't feed him. I'm like, he lives here. Right. Like, this is his house. Right. Like, he lives somewhere here. <laughs> gets mail here. Yeah, he gets mail here. Exactly. That's our cat. I mean, I don't know. I don't, we don't feed him. We can't touch him. He stays far away from us. But clearly he lives here. Yeah, right. So, you know, I mean, I don't maybe we're living in his house. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he lives here. Um but uh, uh, anyway, we've I've never like taken somebody else's animal, um, but I could see where someone you know they whatever fine and they're like oh he walked into my life and now he's mine and I'm so happy with him and but God how terribly heartbreaking it is to your mom and to lose you know Mitchell and everybody even though he pees on everything yeah and everybody else just wondering. Mitchell then Lady and then um. We like you want peed. them, you want them to be alive and happy and healthy out there, but you don't know. So you would almost like have them be dead and have closure, yeah. like to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I know. I've thought many times. I'm like, man, you know. It's like a Casey, Casey Lee. What is it? Dugard, whatever the the eight year old girl that was kidnapped and then lived in oh, that backyard yeah. in yeah. San Francisco. And then was found in the bank. Like her parents, like they got, they ended up getting a divorce. But you know, all those years, 
you know, you're hoping that someone knocks on the door and tells you that they found the remains and your right. daughter has passed away and now you have closure and you have an answer to it, but then you want her to be alive and be out there. And then, I mean, talk about a screwed up story because on one hand, it does turn out that she was happy and healthy. Yeah. But on the other hand, she was also abused by this family and had, you know, three children by this guy. Right. And you go, that's horrible. But she grew, like, she grew up in a way that she l was happy. Like, I was so bizarre. Yeah. So friggin' bizarre. Um, all right. So let's wrap this up. All right. So uh, unless you have anything, any last-minute thing to add, no, I don't got any last minute visit YouTube.com slash Tom Ayers. Um, so uh, I'm Vince Roca. I'm Tom Ayers. And for more on the show, visit GetConvinced.com.